Hey, welcome back, everybody. Classic intros from a classic guy. Thanks. Also, Ben's here. <laughs> Hello. Hey, uh, welcome back to the uh, Cody podcast, uh, Cody Fitness Podcast. I should say the whole thing. Sure. Yeah, thank you. One word answers for this whole intro. Yep. <laughs> uh, we're actually back for part two of our uh, The Obstacle is the Way uh, mini talk that we have going. Not a mini talk. It's a long talk, but that's okay because we split it up into two parts so you guys don't get overwhelmed. Uh, but it's been a lot of really solid stuff so far. Uh, so far. That first episode was pretty, uh, pretty bomb. Yep. Yep. But uh, <laughs> but uh, this second part, it's it's all around one topic, but it's one of Hunter's favorite parts, and I think you guys are gonna get a lot out of it. Unfortunately, Caleb is back, but he does okay. Enjoy. So that kind of takes us into the to the third section of the book, which is the discipline of, of the will. And this this section, I think, is really what separates the successful people from the not successful people. And that is the ability and discipline to just keep moving towards something. Once you've taken action, you just keep going after it over and over and over again, and you don't stop. And he just fills this whole section up with countless examples of people. And we've, we kind of talked about uh, Thomas Edison before, but they just, no matter what failures they have, they keep they keep moving forward. They just keep taking a step forward, and they don't let a failure get, get them down because they realize that, hey, that's just part of the process. And so many people... Well, he talks about like we'll start a business and the, the business will their first business will fail and they just give up. Well, the, some of the most successful businessmen in the world have have had multiple businesses fail, but they don't stop. They keep keep going forward and they keep making progress and they just keep putting one foot in front of the other and they 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 don't ever give up. And that's that's why it's called the discipline of the will because it takes discipline to keep moving um, towards what you want and what your goals are. There's a uh, there's a great story in here. I think Chris and I we talked about this in our staff meeting earlier in the week. Uh, but there's this story about Thomas Edison later in life as he's become uh, he started to become and acquire the fame and the resources that uh, that he had in the latter ends of his career. And he uh, one of his he gets home from from work for the day and somebody runs to his house to tell him that his uh, their factory is on fire. And so it says that he calmly left. He went there, and then he called his son over and told him to run, go grab his wife, the the kid's mom, and say, come over. She's never going to see a fire like this again. And it was like immediately in that moment, he was able to see everything that he has worked for. That was, that was the perception of a lot of people is everything I've worked for is gone. His perception and his quote was, it's all right. We've just got rid of a lot of rubbish. And so it was like it's in his mindset that like it's in his DNA that when something bad like that happens, he doesn't see, he doesn't perceive it to be the end of his life. He sees it as a new beginning. And it goes on to talk about the amount of money that he made that that very year. Um, you know, for a lot of people, it was 
I've just lost a million dollars. He turned it into something good within, and it talks about the dates. It's like within a year he was up and running again. And that next year he made $10 million in that, those days, which they give the correlation for it. But it was just, it was amazing to see, you know, if you see something, if something like that happens, so many of us, I mean, it would have been this emotional wreck, even if you're not angry, like there's the person who like turns into the Hulk and then there's the person that just represses their feelings or it just gets them down. He was able to stay lighthearted with it. He didn't put which someone who's that passionate as, as he was, he had those passions in control. And so it wasn't the end of his life. It was just a part of the journey. And so, uh, that was one of the stories I think in this book that really took that action piece home. And it was like, that's someone that wasn't just theoretical, you know, he wasn't on the porch reading. It was in his daily life. Yeah. Um, my, uh, uh, we talked in our staff meeting, I gave my favorite quote of the book, and this is uh, um, what was going through my head, you know, during uh, during 19, uh, uh, 19.2 when I got to the uh, got to the last uh, the, the, the 225 bar and I wasn't moving it quite like I uh, had hoped for. But um, and uh, this can also relate to uh, to Edison, like like you were uh, like you were talking about, you know, this really terrible thing happened to him. And, um, you know, he is. He was in complete control of how he was uh, how he was going to react, but this quote says, uh, "Certain things in life will cut you open like a knife. When that happens, at that exposing moment, the world gets a glimpse of what is truly inside you. So, what will be revealed when you're uh, when you're sliced open by tension and pressure, iron, air, or BS? So, are you really? We you can uh, you can talk about all this stuff, and I can tell the people in my class." To not get frustrated when you're tripping on double unders, or to uh, to not throw a temper tantrum when they don't uh, when they don't hit the uh, hit the weight that they thought they they thought they should. But when that when that happens to me, and I'm put under that pressure, am I going to uh, am I going to be a man of my word, and am I going to set the example, or am I just you know full of crap basically? When I was reading that, it was it was amazing the way that the book put it. I loved how I love how the author put it. He says he he didn't waste time indulging himself. When something happens, your reaction is going to produce energy. So something bad happens to you, there's going to be this reaction inside you, and it's going to have energy, and you can indulge yourself in in grief. You can over, and we're talking about overindulging, not taking the process of grieving, you know, a loss or something, but it's that reaction. You can, you can use the power of that reaction to indulge yourself into selfishly, overly, um, grieving or getting angry, or you can turn it around and use it for energy into something else. And he talks about a lot. He talks a lot about astronauts and how astronauts spend years and years mastering their reactions to the worst case scenario. I can think of no worse, like no scenario worse than being in space <laughs> and, and something, going and wrong. something <laughs> catching on fire yeah. outside of your control. You are and. Why that reaction? Can you think about the adrenaline of like looking out the window and seeing something on fire? Can't just be like, man, we better get outside. Yeah, things on fire. It's like (laughs) you've got to just you have to train that mindset to use all of that adrenaline, all that fear, to turn it into action and turn it into something that's going to be good. You've got to muster up that energy to use the power of that event and turn it into. All right, I've mastered my emotions. Now I can start using that to, to go the way, right? The obstacle. He uh, he he leads the section off talking about Abraham Lincoln, and I think Abraham Lincoln is probably the most famous example in American history of somebody just 
indomitable will constantly moving forward. And I think everybody knows the story of how he failed all these elections growing up and he kept over and over and over. He failed. Uh, he failed at being a lawyer. He, you know, he failed at so many, so many different avenues of life, but he kept pushing forward and he became arguably the greatest president in, in the country's history. And he, he said that this too shall pass was Lincoln's favorite saying. And just he repeated that self that to himself over and over. And when something bad happened, this too shall pass. When something else bad happens, this too shall pass. And realizing that they're just obstacles that you have to surmount and overcome and keep moving. And that's just a great example of the discipline of the will and constantly moving forward no matter what happens to you taking it in stride and keeping moving forward and, and saying to yourself, this too shall pass. And I, and that's something that I want to try to implement in my life is when I'm feeling down or if things don't seem like they're going right, you know, saying this too shall pass. And at, at, I think as we all get older, we come, we have more experiences that we can look back and draw upon and realize like, Hey, this isn't the end of the world. Like I think about for me, looking back on when I was growing up and thinking something that happened at the, at the time, it seemed like, man, this is the worst thing that could ever have happened to me. Um, this is the end of the world. Like no, nothing's ever going to be good again. And then looking back on it 5, 10, 15, 20 years later and, and, and saying, man, that doesn't matter at all. That doesn't affect my life at all. Like for I remember my senior high school, we lost the state championship football game in overtime. We were winning 21 nothing at halftime. The other team came back and tied it up, and we lost in overtime. And that was one of the most devastating moments of my life. Like, just your whole life, you are building, your whole football career, you're building towards that one moment. My senior year, my we're going to win the state championship. My senior year, we're, we're there, we're winning. And then all of a sudden, it's taken away from us in overtime, and it's just, like, devastating. And all of a sudden, my football career is over and it, it could not have been a worse feeling. And then I'm looking back on it 15 years later and I'm like, who cares? Like that doesn't affect my life at all. And so just keeping that in mind, like there's things that are happening to me now that can seem so terrible, but a year from now, like I, w I probably won't even remember, you know, and keeping that in mind. And I think the more experience you get, just, just realizing that this too shall pass. Like this is not a big deal. Um, it may feel like it's the end of the world now, but I will get past this and things will get better. Yeah, it, it's so hard to, um, like, because uh, uh, I've thought about that too. Like, you know, like, what if, um, what if I could go back right now and give that advice to the, to the younger version of me? And um, I, try to, I try to give, you know, the younger version of me at least a little bit of credit because, you know, yeah, those things at the time, destroyed your whole world because that was almost, you know, quite literally your world. It was the only world that you knew at the time. But um, I think if uh, if you the earlier that you can learn that bad things will happen, you know, they can and they will. You know, it's not it's not not a matter of if it's a matter of when. But knowing that everything will be OK at some point is um, is uh, is huge and really uh laying a foundation uh, for that for that discipline to have uh, to have that will to push through those things um i liked uh, what he what he said about uh about uh, traffic signals he was like if you found somebody who took traffic signals uh, personally you would think they were crazy that was yeah, great yeah. i mean yeah, i thought man that was hilarious i laughed really hard at that but uh but yeah i mean you know that that's what but you have to understand that 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 is what life is sometimes you're going to get caught at a red light but it will eventually turn green again 
and, and I think about that, like, you know, people get in road rage and people get, kill people over road rage and people get so mad and they'll blare on their horn at you driving. And I've started to start to think to myself when I see somebody do that, like, what are you doing? Like, you don't have any control over what that other person does. Why are you letting that affect you so much? And like, if, if it's out of my control, me getting upset about it and frustrated and angry and to the point where I'm going to blare my horn at somebody else or give them the bird or yell at them or even worse, like get a gun out or try to beat them up or something like that. Like, what are you doing that, that you you're so out of touch with your own emotions and, and controlling yourself that you're going to let something that's completely out of control affect you? You're never going to have control of your life. Um, and that, that, you know, that's that's just one example of of traffic. You know, we, we all deal with traffic every single day. How, how are you going to, if you're going to let traffic influence you, you're never going to make a whole lot of progress because you're never going to have control of traffic. There's always going to be bad traffic. There's always going to be red lights that you go through. There's always going to be people cutting you off. It's not ever going to change. So the sooner you realize, like, I don't have any control over that, I'm not going to let it affect me, the better off you're going to be. One thing that was really, uh, I think when you were talking about, Abraham Lincoln, and I'm not sure if it was Lincoln. He talks about uh, Washington in here, but one of them struggled with, and this is a little bit of a different topic, but one of them struggled with uh, depression, and I don't remember. It was Abraham Lincoln. Lincoln, yeah. yeah. And so that's one thing that not a lot of people know is that he struggled with something that, and, and at that day and age, they didn't know how much of a true disease that was. It was something that was not, it wasn't just that, oh, he's lonely or he just has negative thoughts. It's like he really struggled with something that was very serious. And so I think, you know, that led me to thinking about how this book really helped me see that everyone has obstacles. A lot of times we think we're the only one that's in traffic. When you look around and there are thousands of people, and if you look relative to like where we live, the traffic that we have is not traffic. You know, it's all relative to you. It's relative to your experience. And so the more that you can try to just train yourself to think outside of your own experience, and then you realize everyone has obstacles. You have a learning disability. You have some sort of thing that was given to you. You have a your own history. You were raised in this environment, or you had this level of income growing up. There's a there's just this I think we we almost have this thought that all right, I have an obstacle, I'm the only one that's gotta battle this, it's me against the world type of thing, but we don't give other people credit, I think, for the fact that other people have obstacles too. And the thing that you're going through, that person also is going through something that may be even worse. And it's not about measuring who had the hardest obstacle. Everyone has obstacles. When you start to do that, it helps you kind of calm those emotions, I think, a little bit. And so for me, um, man, it's so easy to think about the what other people have gone through to get the, where they're at, and that really helps the the humility piece that's so difficult. That's I've been really getting into biographies lately and reading a lot of biographies of successful people, and that's my favorite thing about them is learning all the things that they went through to get to where they are. Like, nobody has an easy road. It, you... I think the tendency is we look at these great people, these famous people and think that they just like were born like famous and on top of the world. And we don't we don't take into account all the trials and tribulations that they've went through, all the stuff, the 
constant progress that they were trying to make, constantly trying to overcome obstacles, all the stuff that they get through that made them into who they are. And they can all trace back to what they went through and the negatives that people outsiders would say were negatives to them. And they can say, these are positives and they got me to where I am today. And I wouldn't change anything about my path because it made me the person I am. And I think we, we don't take into account all these successful people. They're successful for a reason because of all the stuff that they went through. And the more you can learn about other people, like you said, Caleb, you realize like everybody has obstacles. Everybody, everybody has trials and tribulations that they have to figure out how to do it. And you will never reach your full potential until you realize like that's just part of life. And that's part of something that I have to figure out and deal with. And for me personally, when I was younger, I used to look back and think, man, I wish I could go back and redo my younger years with all the stuff I know now, because things would be so much different. I would, I would have done this different. I would have done this different. My life would be so much better and different. And now as I've gotten, getting older and wiser and learn more, I realize, like, no, I wouldn't go back and change anything because it's led me to the, to where I am today. And I don't want to change any, anything that's happened to me in the past. Yeah, I made mistakes, but I learned from those and I was able to turn them into positives and overcome those obstacles. And everything that's happened to me has been something for me to learn from. And I wouldn't change anything about my past because it has gotten to me to this point. And I know in 10 years down the road that that same thing will apply. I won't want to go back and change anything. And so I'm not learning all this stuff so that I can say, man, I wish I could apply this when I was younger because things would be so different. I'm learning it now because, man, I want to learn this so I can help other people and help them on their journey um, as they go forward. Um, and I think that's part of the, the growing and maturing process and just learning more about yourself. I think we deceive ourselves a lot of times if you don't go back. And this book was, if you don't go back and look at the obstacles that other people, it can be such a good advantage in your life to apply what you've learned talking about reading other biographies because time and time again, the people that have biographies written about them are the people who a lot of times had the most difficult or challenging upbringing. So much more that, um, you know, for me, I think I just find myself, you feel sorry for yourself. It's so easy to feel sorry for yourself and the things you're going through. And, and the more you get outside of your own head and read about other people and the life they've had, and this book is really good because I think and I, I can't find which page it's on, but it talks about and it lists all the different companies that were started amid these financial crises. Crisis, yeah. Crises. Um, all these financial <laughs> struggles. It's like these companies that are that are, you know, Fortune 500 companies now started in some of the worst economic times, and it's amazing. Whenever you see that, it just reminds you. It's like no, they didn't just somehow drive the road with no speed bumps. They mm -hmm. had the most speed bumps and the most potholes and the things they had to get through, and they just kept working. They didn't let those things get them down. It didn't lead to disorder, distraction. They just kept plugging away, just kept going, kept going. And uh, it's real easy to think that they had the easy road. I, th I think that it's, you know, especially today, it's so easy for people to just get caught up in, wow, this is so wrong. This, this is so bad. Everybody's complaining about everything. But if you, if you look back over time, like we're living in way better times than anybody ever in history has ever lived. Like go back and, and, and read about stuff that people dealt with growing up hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago, all the things they had to go through. You know, Genghis Khan, he killed almost 20 million people in his life. 
like he he was a scourge of Asia and Africa and I mean Asia and Europe and he he was going through and cutting off people's heads by the thousands per day and that kind of stuff was going on regularly throughout history and now we live in a day and age where people just have lost sight of what happened what happened in World War II not too long ago like how how much better things are now than they were then and I think if you the more you learn about what other people have gone through over time, it makes you appreciate where you are in life now and how lucky we are to be where we are and realize like, man, the stuff we deal with now, it's really not, not that hard at all. It really isn't. And realizing how blessed we are and the obstacles that we have, people have overcome way bigger obstacles before. Like you said, Caleb, some of the people that have, you know, these people that have biographies written about them, they have overcome so much in their life. And that's the reason that we're reading about them is because they have, they did have these obstacles that they overcame and they were able, they became better because of them. One of the things that, and we've talked about this before, I think my first time on the podcast, uh, but one of the things that was really just a life-changing thing for me was being able to travel outside of our country. And you guys are about to go on a trip, but I know um, that's something that not everybody has an opportunity to do. And so it's not mandatory for like life lessons. But if you ever get a chance to get outside of this, because you do realize how privileged we are right now and the things that even within our lifetimes or shortly before our lifetimes, um, you know, being in East Africa and talking to people who were alive when Idi Amin was was president in Uganda, where I was, it was some of the things they talk about that with child soldiers and all these, you know, disease and all these things that were happening. It was amazing to me to think back on my life and the things that I used to feel sorry for myself. And it was really easy to become distracted and say it, it kind of is demotivating sometimes for you when you really look at your life and you're like, man, that happened to me. I'm, you know, it's just not meant to be. I'm never going to be, I'm never going to be that athletic. I'm never going to be that strong. I'm never going to be that wealthy. Um, and so I think for a lot of people, just taking a moment to get outside of your circle, whether it's traveling outside of Mississippi, traveling outside of the country, you have opportunities to do things like that. Um, I know I can speak for myself. It has opened my eyes to a lot of the things that people in our world are going through even today and you could you know you could draw the parallels to things happening right now it's a it's something that i've been really a, appreciative of since um you know, you know since uh, hunter has uh, been you know challenging us with uh, you know reading these uh these different books as a coaching staff and stuff like that when i where my first uh, you know several years of coaching the only thing that i was reading would just be you know training books or you know you know textbooks about training or whatever but now like you know reading more stuff like this it allows me to um to change my perception because it gets me outside of my own head and gets me um and gets me into the mind of uh, gets me into the mind of other people and like you were talking about seeing what they've uh, what they've gone through and uh it's done you know just wonders for me i mean i'm i'm recommending this book to everybody that i talk to oh yeah, yeah. absolutely i i i believe that every everybody should read this book, honestly. And I wanted to get back to what you talked about travel, Caleb. I think that travel is one of the, if not the best thing you can do for yourself, is traveling not just in the country but outside the country and going to other countries and seeing other cultures. And I, when I was five, we lived in Prague for a summer, and I deeply believe that that changed 
me and how I view the world in ways that I'm still learning to comprehending now and just seeing that there's so much more out there than what is in this little bubble that we spend our day-to-day life in. And there's people that are dealing with way more adversity than we're dealing with here. Um, and yeah, I've continued to take every opportunity to travel. Whenever I get a chance to go to another country, I, I jump for and I, I figure out a way to make it happen. Even if I can't afford it, I figure out, well, I think, how can I afford this? And I try to figure out a way to do it. And I've spent time in some other countries. Uh, I was in Dubai a couple years ago and the, the, we spent time, you know, Dubai is arguably one of the richest places in the world. And you see these nice cars everywhere. And then we went into the, to, to the labor camps where these guys are living in these basically dorm rooms, like eight to 10 in a room and their passports have been taken away and they're getting paid well below minimum wage in America and they don't have anything. And the d- depression rate is through the roof and they can't go back home because their passports have been taken away. And just seeing what these guys go through on a day-to-day basis and seeing how they still have joy and they still are attacking life with, with fervor and excitement. It makes you really think about yourself like, man, why am I being complaining about this little thing that happened to me? Like it could be so much worse and thinking about things that way and just realizing that there's always people out there who are dealing with worse situations to you and having more perspective and getting out of your own head, like you said, Chris, and realizing like there's so much more out there than what, what I realize. And the, as I read more of these biographies of successful people, the, one of the common denominators I'm seeing in all of them is that, you know, especially successful businessmen at a very young age, they spent a lot of time overseas and they traveled. And I think that gave them perspective of realizing what is out there. And I think that getting, gaining that perspective, the younger, the better, because you can start changing the way you look at the world and realizing that, man, there's almost 8 billion people on this planet. I, I don't know what percentage of the people on this planet are American, but it's a very, very small percent. I think like less than 5% of the, mm-hmm. of the population. And so realizing like we can get caught up in this or that or what law is passed or who, what celebrity married who, but realizing like that is such a small percentage of the actual population of the world. And to them, none of that, they don't care about any of that at all. Yeah, I think this is, uh, as we start talking about... Um, those types of like processing, learning to processing and internalizing things, it really starts to transition to that last, the last section of the book, which talks about the will. And uh, so I was going to ask Hunter if you, you know, what you thought about how to summarize or how to begin talking about how we transition from action into and why does he end this book with a conversation about the will? I think, I think he breaks it down in this, in this last section is always prepare ourselves for more difficult times always accept what we're unable to change, always manage our expectations, always persevere, always learn to love our fate and what happens to us, always protect our inner self, retreat into ourselves, always submit to a greater, larger cause, always remind ourselves of our own mortality. Um, And I think that's just a summation of what the whole last section is about, is being prepared for the obstacles and being prepared to constantly keep moving forward and making progress and making it a discipline. I really like how each section is the discipline of will, the discipline of action. You have to have discipline to keep doing it over and over and over again, because we're going to want to stop. And, uh, when things get hard, the tendency is to want to stop and, and not keep moving forward, but we have to keep, keep pushing forward, keep making progress 
progress, being prepared for whatever is going to be thrown to us and realizing that whatever happens to us is happening to us for a reason. It's going to make us better. I love what, and you know, in this last section, this is kind of what Chris, you talked about earlier was when something bad happens to you, like what's your immediate, like, how do you start to handle that? And you started thinking about, well, what does this look like for other people? One of the things that was really impactful for me was this quote that says, if I can't solve this for myself, how can I at least make this better for other people? And a lot of times these things that we're talking about, these obstacles that are the way, the best way we can handle it is not knowing the answer right away or being able to have some really bad situation and immediately just start thinking about all these, you know, the the best way to turn it into an advantage. Sometimes it's a process where we can't control it. We can't do anything about it. And so for us, the natural thing that we need to be thinking about is others. And it comes down to that humility. But when when it said, how can I at least make this better for other people? I thought a lot about you know, family and relationships, like personal relationships. And, you know, if there's a situation that I don't know what to do, how can I help, you know, for me, my wife, like, how can I make this better for my wife? How can I make this better for the people who are working under me or the people that I'm working with, uh, our clients, things like that? Did you have any thoughts on? Well, I know, uh, and I, I left this part out earlier when I was talking about, you know, nineteen two, and you know the thought process that I was having when I when I finished that workout, I actually had some uh, someone um, a member in the gym come up to me and tell me that uh, that he loves watching us, like the coaches, do these uh, do these workouts because it's inspiring to him because he understands that uh, that we that when we do these workouts, we are truly, you know leaving everything on the table and that we we really go to that point where we have nothing left and we continue to uh and we continue to fight and we continue to uh to attack every single rep so uh um yeah it's um just having uh, having that understanding it makes it makes every it makes every task um no matter how how small it may seem like it could be uh how you deliver the workout or, um, you know, how you're, uh, how you're keeping the, uh, how you're keeping the bathrooms clean or the floor clean or whatever, though, paying attention to those, uh, to those little details, you don't really, you really don't know how important those things are to other people and how they're going to, how they're going to perceive your, those, uh, those little actions that you take. That's exactly, it's so funny how the conversation just naturally ends up going this way because he talks about in that book, he says, uh, if something's in our control, it's worth every ounce and energy of yes. our effort. So like we spend this whole time talking about, oh, the obstacles, the way these obstacles, everything. And it can be really easy to think of life as the majority of things are out of our control. There's really a lot of things that are in our control. You know, it's like, there's a lot of things that happen in the day. And if it's in your control, there is an obligation to give it every ounce of energy that you have. So it's just real easy to make, and it makes sure that you're even keel. You're not just overly obsessed with, oh, everything's going to go how I didn't plan. You want to prepare that way, but also understand that a part of this responsibility is knowing the things that are in your control. You've got to give it everything that you've got. Yeah, and that he talks about the the idea that how you do anything is how you do everything, and you can't just compartmentalize and segment your life and think that, well, I can be sloppy in this area of my life and that's not going to transfer over into other areas. No, how you do anything is how you do everything. So no matter how big or small, 
you have to give it 100% effort. And that's something that I've really tried to make a commitment to myself the last six months of my life is trying to be uh, more clean in all areas of my life and realizing like, you know, I used to think, man, I'm going to really focus on, I work hard at the gym when I get home. I don't spend a whole lot of time at home and I'm not, I'm not, I don't really care if it's not that clean or if things are not put away. But what I've realized is like that part of my life affects every other part of my life. And I need to be, if I'm going to be clean, I have to be clean in all areas of my life. I have to tidy up after myself. And I've started, I've gone to the extreme and I've started thinking about, we talked about turning pro. I've thought about turning pro in all areas of life. Like if I'm, if I'm like in an airport and I drop something on the ground you know, it's really easy to say, well, they pay somebody to clean that up. I'll, they'll, they'll clean up after me. Um, but now I'm like, realize like, no, I need to clean up after myself. I need to leave things better than I found them. And if I'm staying at a friend's house, I thought about this. I went and stayed with my friend in, in New Orleans when I was flying out. Um, I was like, I'm going to fold the blankets back and leave them nicer than they were um, because he was nice enough to let me stay here. The least I can do is is leave it nicer than I found it, not just leave it sloppy for him to to clean up after me. And so I've started trying to apply that in every area of life and just realize, like, I need to be a pro. If I want to be a pro, I have to be a pro in every area of life, not just in in the gym or in business or whatever. Every area. They're all interconnected and you can't isolate one certain thing and think I'm going to be great at this area and and let this other area slack because it's going to pull everything down. And just keeping that in mind, how you do anything is how you do everything and trying to live that out in in every aspect of life. It's real easy in fitness to like and discipline wise to apply all of your lessons to fitness. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like all these things. We want to be disciplined. We want to work hard. We want to every rep counts fight till the very last second and then you get home and it's like oh i just hit the off switch and it's like wait a minute that's the opposite that's that's not what i'm telling our clients that this is something where we want to apply this to every area um that happens a lot of times when you go and stay with someone it's like folding the sheets or like do you take the sheets off the bed and go throw them in the wash or things like that it's the littlest things that when you start to do those, those are the most impactful. And mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a really good quote out there about uh, about you know little things being the most impactful things. And but you're right, it's it's one of those one of those lessons where if you can start to apply that, you realize this is starting to now penetrate into every area of my life, and people see that. Well, I think about that like in the fitness. Think about it in the class. Like you know, a lot of people don't take the mobility section of class very serious. They'll they'll go and talk in the front. They'll just kind of halfway foam roll or something. They won't really ha- they'll half hardly stretch. And the people that are doing that consistently are the people who are not making a whole lot of progress. They're kind of just hanging out at the same same fitness level. Maybe they're making a little bit of progress. Maybe they battle some injuries here or there. But it's the people who are taking their stretching serious. They're taking their cool down serious. They're they're pushing themselves hard in the workout. They're the ones that make cons- consistent progress, and you can't just compartmentalize the class and say, I'm going to go hard on the workout, but I'm just going to neglect the rest of the class. Like You have to take in every aspect of your fitness because um, it all interconnects, and same thing goes with diet. Like You can't just go, have, you know, I worked out really hard this week, so I'm just going to let myself go this weekend. And it doesn't work like that. You're not ever going to make the progress that you could be making unless you attack every single part of your health and fitness with the same intensity. You can't just go hard in the workout and expect that to translate into the to results that you want. You have to go hard in the mobility. You have to go hard in the cool down. You have to go hard in the warm up. 
I'm not go hard as in like kill yourself, but like focus, focus on your technique, focus on what you need to be focusing on. You got to go hard in the, in the, in the kitchen. You got to make sure you're on top of your diet. All that stuff interconnects and the people that make the most success are the ones that look at every aspect of their life and try to maximize it. The, the way that that parallels for me is when he starts talking about how you don't overcome an obstacle to advance into this magical land of no obstacles. And so for me, I apply that at home, at home and work. It's, I don't work really hard at work so that I can get home and clean and make sure every little thing that I see on the floor is picked up and be as professional and give a hundred percent effort so that I can get home and rest from that. It's, it's not, that's not the point. The point is that you are always working to, to um, to be better, you're always working to see that I I can give I can give a hundred percent effort at work. I can give a hundred percent effort at home, and so it really starts to then when it starts to penetrate in your life, it really makes a. Uh, he, he quotes that uh, that Haitian proverb. He says, uh, "Behind every mountain are more mountains." Yeah, yeah. yeah that's <laughs> I love how he ends that. Like he starts transitioning to the end of the book because it it starts to motivate you because mm-hmm. it can be really it can be really dis deceiving to think, all right, I'm going to go hard in the gym. And I've just learned, I've learned all these lessons about, you know, leaving it out on the floor and really, you know, pushing myself with your physical body, but not like, not the way that you engage the rest of life. Yeah. And I, th- I think you can tell just from how we've talked about and how we've gone off on different directions with this, how this book can apply to every aspect of life. And if you will read it with an open mind and let it speak to you, it can change your life, it can change your mindset, and it can just change the way you view life, how you interact with people, how you interact with obstacles. But I, I wanted to, to kind of wrap this, this section of the discussion up by just reading this quote from the end of the book. And he said, see things for what they are, do what we can, endure and bear what we must. What blocked the path now is a path. What once impeded action advances action. The obstacle is the way. And I think that just sums up the whole book in a nutshell. Well, we made it. Gosh, all the pressure to perform in those conversations is crazy. I think you and I very distinctively killed it this that past uh, topic. I agree. Combo I'm, thing. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm pretty excellent at discussing all professional sports. It's just kind of my lane. Yes. Yep. Or not? I don't know. <laughs> I think you uh, very distinctively cared the least <laughs> out of everybody that's on the uh, outside the box portions. Yeah, well, that's kind of my that's my shtick. That's what I do. That's all right. You still at least know some stuff, so at least you're not just hung out to dry every time. Well, it's really just a way to camouflage my uh, really intense, opinionated nature. Mm. I'm afraid if I get too close to that line, it'll be ugly and it'll be recorded. Mm. Yeah, that's a dangerous world to be in. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so uh, we wrapped up uh, the obstacles of the way. Pretty solid. Pretty solid, I think. Honestly, it was really good. Hunter uh, Hunter has gotten really good at unpacking uh, things that he's uh, learning. I feel like all that conversation was going on inside Hunter's brain for a really long time. And then, you know, really, let's be honest, for guys like us, he starts talking about different things. We're like, whoa, 
that makes a lot of sense. It does. I think I'm going to try that, you know, yeah. and then we're just in that lane a lot more and more. What's been interesting to see is, is kind of that approach is spilling out onto everybody. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like, man, okay, talk to me about this, Chris. Talk to me about this, Caleb. Talk to me about this, Meredith. And you, when you're surrounded by people who are successful, and this is something we've talked about a lot on this podcast, you're surrounded by successful people and you want to be successful. All you do is figure out what they do and repeat it. You're going to up your chances, right? Yep. Cool. <laughs> so full stop there yeah. so where do we go next uh, I think the best thing we could do is uh, just throw it to our outside the box portion of the episode it's a pretty it's a pretty good one honestly mainly because uh, we're back <laughs> <laughs> mainly because we really love ourselves exactly we're very vain and we're honest about it <laughs> yeah uh, but I, actually it, it actually is a pretty good one I think uh, we expressed some differences in opinions uh, and the, the healthiest way we've done it so far I think yeah, I'm actually really proud of this because I had one idea going into this outside the box, mm-hmm. and then I changed my opinion about three or four times, and then circled back around to something that I was originally thinking it was a fun lap to run. I think our listeners are going to have fun with this as well. Get ready for a doozy. It's time for Outside the Box! Hey, Chase is back. Yay! We kicked Caleb off because he had other things to do. That guy's too smart. Which, I mean, how how well could you rank his priorities anyway if he's, like, having to leave to do something else? Like, how low is this this podcast on his set of, like, awesome? He yeah. works at the place that puts it on, yeah. and he's still and I, left. Did you notice he was talking so much, I couldn't get a word in edgewise? I just went quiet. <laughs> Pretty like, astounding, honestly. Dude, like, we just I don't know. Even, I don't think we should bring him back. Seriously. I, I don't know what it is. I think he was trying to prove something. It's a good something. thing his mic wasn't plugged in anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You just hear it sounds like he's in the other room just shouting answers. I believe that should definitely be a joke that we should use, you know. And uh, maybe it should be on Chris Chance because he's always talking about coming on the podcast. We invite him into the studio. We just don't plug in his mic. Feels better about it and then jokes on you. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of ankle socks, this is one of the guys that <laughs> sent me a text that said, Hey, I'm on the ankle sock game with you, man. <laughs> so, you know, we're, I don't know, maybe next year in the uh, intramural, we should have a team called Ankle Socks. Team I, Ankle Socks. Yeah. I'll I think be it would. Captain. <laughs> Chris will be the captain. So we get into outside the I'm box. Your Huckleberry. <laughs> <laughs> if I see any of your socks <laughs> off the team, just period. We're not even going to have a ruler. Just if I see your socks at all. So outside the box, we're talking about something that actually parallels a little bit with CrossFit. So we're, we're kind of flirt with the line some, but I think the way the conversation is going to go, you'll see what we're headed with this. But we're talking about the most pressure filled not moments but positions or no, moments. times yeah moments. so like what what instance in sports just curates the most pressure like your heart is literally about to stop because it's thumping so hard no matter who's in it no matter what decade yeah, like literally, no matter. if it's the whole team that's experiencing this at one time so be yeah. it okay well or it could be one guy clarifying question because i know this guy to my left hunter is just notorious for like changing and bending the rules and he would say about halfway through this conversation oh well, if it's a team it's not quite as bad because an individual <laughs> you know they can't spread it out over the members of the team so did, just because it's a team feeling the pressure does that mean it would rank lower in the conversation that we're about to have or not? it's all up to you however you want to rank them <laughs> man you do you. No, yeah. no. Well, we, this is it's not a. It's just the one, and it's yeah. it's as Chris always words it. It's subjective, so whatever. <laughs> it's subjective, so really so, whatever. <laughs> I've never heard a more clear something, com- something Tom Brady. Yeah, I've never heard a more clear commercial for that 15 second forward button than right there. It's all subjective, so whatever. So and Tom Brady, and then there's that. 
right? Yes. Okay, so everybody, before we turned the mics on, was like, oh, I got it, I got it, I got it. So I'm pretty, but Chris was the first guy to that, so... I'm, Either he should go first or last. I'm not yeah, sure which yeah, one. Yeah, but yeah, but then we changed up what we were going to talk about. Oh, uh, okay. So, so yours was like centered so on the individual. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So you said you were ready to roll. So maybe we should start with you, Chase. Okay. So like for clarification, these are very generic. Now you can yeah. have examples of things that are like for instance, but yeah. mine's pretty universal, and I think everybody will understand it. Uh, but I think it's. The, and I'm gonna get really specific as far as like what the circumstance is. World Cup Finals, FIFA World Cup Finals, right? Mm-hmm. It is it is the last game of the whole tournament. Whoever it's Germany and Brazil, because of course it is. Why yeah. wouldn't it be? Right. They are down the PKs, Ooh. and it's it's tied. So it's five, right? So it's four all. Uh huh. If you <laughs> if you're it, it, even, I, I would say it's probably the goalie. If you're that goalie. Or say it's 5-4, right? I, I think I'm changing it up. It's 5-4, World Cup. Brazil's up. They've scored all five of theirs. Germany's, is, this is it. Like, either we lose right now or we're going to, to the next level, right? Mm-hmm. That goalie has never been closer to pooping his pants <laughs> outside of major, major medical issues than he is right now. I, I don't care what you say. I cannot think of anything in the world. I, the president could be about to launch the nuke, and I don't think he's as nervous as this guy as far as what's going on right now. Because he has literally paid millions of dollars. Maybe not in the World Cup, but it's he, okay. His country's pride is on the line. If you're in somewhere like that's more Germany than money. or that's Brazil, more than money. Yeah. that's more than money because your culture is going to hate you for the rest of time if you just guess wrong on which which uh, post he's going towards with the shot. Uh, you put it that way. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's a lot of pressure. Now, the the only thing I would say that a goal like more most of the time they make the PK so. If the goalie blocks it, like he did a great thing, but if he if he doesn't block it, it's like the, the guy was supposed to make it. I think it would, you would have more pressure if you're the guy, if kicking, you're the guy kicking. That's fair, and you have to make it to extend it to the next one. Mm. And if you miss it, your team loses because I think the onus is on the guy to make it. So I would say the guy kick like say it's five four, and you're the fifth guy taking your PK. And if you miss it, you lose the World Cup. If you make it, it gets extended. I think you would feel more pressure on that because you're you're. Um, you should make it because more most of the time the the kicker makes it. Yeah, that's fair. The only and I'm saying I disagree, I'm not saying I disagree with you. The only caveat I have is like, can you imagine being the goalie that chooses left and you're like, I'm jumping, and he jumps, and as he is falling towards the ground, the ball is on is like oh. ten feet the other way, oh. just like like half a second of like, yep. I think either way, you're. It that's all a lot sucks. Of pressure. Yeah. <laughs> I think the joy of this uh, this whole podcast outside the box is going to be like they all suck. Honestly, it's just yeah. going to be fun to talk about them. But anyway, all right, who's next? That's mine. I don't know. That was a pretty. I don't know, man. I think you probably could. It's going to be difficult to top your entire country's watching. Yeah. yeah. In yeah. the World Cup, like the Which most I'm, watched. I'm not asking you to compete. Like we said, this is subjective. This is just like, if I was in that situation, I could not think of anything worse than that. Yeah, because, you know, international travel often leads to diarrhea anyway. Exactly. <laughs> so, wow. It's like, a, it's like a double whammy. Yeah. <laughs> so more pressure, pressured events in sports. Yeah. All right, who's next? Uh, not me. Anybody but me. All right. I think um, the... Uh, the batter who has the uh, he has the three two count with two outs 
with the uh, with the winning run and scoring position in the World Series, I assume. Yeah, sure. You know, Taking a lead off on third, like he he's just so close, you just know he's going to win. Yeah. Well, you know, like you know, if you're if you're the pitcher, you can try to just you know you put in the neighborhood. If he misses, he you know he walks. You know, let's just say that the bases aren't loaded, he walks, no big deal. But if you're the uh, if you're the batter, you know, if you you know, it's it comes down to you just simply putting the bat on the ball, taking the bat that is this big and putting it on the ball that is that big. You can hit it to shallow left and end the game. That's all you got to do. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, maybe, Hunter, you can talk about that a little bit. Maybe you've been in that situation before. Yeah, I, I mean, there's definitely a lot of pressure when you're hitting, but I think it, it's similar to the goalie situation where more times than not a batter's getting out um, and there's, you know, hitting's hard it's really hard and so there's definitely a lot of pressure but I, I, I still think there's more pressure filled situations than that I mean all of these are going to be like yeah, I, <laughs> I have no. that was like a really effective I, thing in the in the studio but I think but we, can, never, we can't uh, describe it because uh, that's, that's a little much it was like a like oh, fist bump kind oh, of oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I need to be on YouTube for that to see that one yeah yeah, I've never I've never envied baseball players to that extent because there's so much time between each individual pitch and so much time for the pressure to build up because like in in uh, in football it happens so fast you can't you know you don't have time to feel the pressure the next thing before you even realize what has happened the play is over you know you either you either caught it scored the touchdown or you dropped it and lost the game yeah I think though if you go to if you go to football and you think about these moments where coaches try to ice players in sports I mean the kicker is often in this sort of situation and I, I often think when the kicker comes trotting out I'm like this guy's not even supposed to be here yeah. <laughs> our whole season hangs yeah. on this guy yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. so that's I, say, no, I feel I, like it can't be that bad though because Adam Vinatieri's done it like 18 times or he's well, just nuts yeah, yeah, yeah. and football and football too is so different though because like to me it's a it's you know, if, if the kicker if the kicker misses, you know, you want you want to say that is your job. It's the only thing that you're supposed to do. But at the same time, there's there's so many moving moving parts to football that you should always you should always tell yourself it should never come down to a kick. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. what that guy, the the Bears kicker that missed the kick, like people were like the, the the fans they wanted to kill him or something like that this year in the in the playoffs yeah I mean it's a, it's it's pretty I mean all eyes are on this guy which is a big part of these moments that we're talking about and and an NFL kicker you've got he's got a salary that we're paying him you, you know you had one job you yeah. know and the coach yeah. is always going to say in the press conference well we shouldn't even been in this position anyway yeah same thing the coaches say about free a free throw at the end of a basketball game like it should have never been that close it's not this guy's fault. All the same. It's from still the, part of the game. From the fan base's point of view, it's like, I don't know how much money we're giving you, but it's enough to be able to make this 37-yard chip shot. Yeah. And you, you hooked it. What is the matter with you? Yeah. And I think the kicker's feeling, and I don't know if this is – it would be interesting to try to document this. Does, that, does a guy who messes that last winning kick up, does he get the call back the next season? Yeah. Or do they just move on to the next – I feel like the kicker thinks, if I miss this, my career's over. A lot of them will move on, I think. Yeah, it's kind of hard to recover from that. I mean, so I'm saying that's one of my pressure-filled moments. I I think it's more difficult if you're a part of a team and then suddenly all eyes are on you. That's yeah. a little bit more jarring than like a guy at Wimbledon who's used to just having the spotlight. He's used to having that pressure of everybody's looking at me. If, if, if I double fault, I can't blame it on anybody. When you're a part of a larger team and suddenly it's up to you, I think quarterbacks feel that a lot, honestly. Like, it's up to me to do this, to complete this pass, to get it in the vicinity. 
that's a real jarring part of sports right there to suddenly be in the spotlight. Yeah. I is so you're saying the the field goal is yours? Uh I don't know. I was I was thinking about it for that reason, but I think there's a there are other moments that I want to bring up. Okay. I'll say I've been in I played I played a lot of sports growing up. And kicking yeah. was by far <laughs> the most stressful thing that I ever did. You mean like video games? Yeah, yeah, right, right. right. <laughs> so I was in that situation, Chris, you, you brought up, like I remember when I was 10 at state tournament in baseball, and I was I was up, we were down by one, there was a guy on second, two outs, three, two count, and I struck out. <sighs> and, the, and and that was like, that was like one, it's still one of the most, most jarring moments of my life. I can still remember like just bawling, crying after, after the game. But... I will say that kicking is the most stressful thing that I ever did. And I think more for baseball, even more stress, um, more pressure is if you get like an easy ground ball hit to you, like Bill Buckner, like first base. Mm. I think that because you're supposed to make the play and you end the, in the world series that I think that is like the most stressful position you can be in, in baseball. But I will say kicker for a couple of reasons. I will say like the most stress filled situation would be you're losing the game down by one, Super Bowl, last chance, it's a 40-yard field goal right down the middle for a couple reasons. Number one, for what you mentioned, like it's a team sport. I think always whenever the whole team is counting on you, that's a lot more pressure than when it's just you because if you miss it, uh, I lost. But if you miss the field goal, it's like, oh, I let the whole team down. I let, the whole, lost. I yeah. let the whole fan base down. Number two, the kicker is just sitting on the sidelines the whole game. They don't ever get the chance to get in the flow of the game. Like if you're in a basketball player and it's down to the last second free throw, at least you've been in the game the whole time and you're in flow and you, you're in the rhythm of the game. Kicker, you're sitting on the sideline cold, thinking about the kick the whole time. That's all you think about the whole game is when I'm going to come in and, and kick this field goal. And then – you, you see the team getting close and you're thinking about, I'm about to have to make this field goal, blah, blah, blah. You're sitting over there. So it's very stress-filled. And then when you're a kicker, you're supposed to make the kick. Like, that's what you're supposed to do. Like, you're supposed to make it like nine times out of ten guys in the NFL are making that kick. So the, all the pressure is on you to make it. The onus is on you to make it. If you miss it, it's only on you. And the difference between, I would say, kicking a field goal and kicking a, a PK at the World Cup is in the World Cup. Like, the goalie could guess right and he could block it and it could have been a perfect kick. But field goal, there's nobody – like, there. if they block it, it's not on you. But, like – it's on you to make the field goal, if that makes sense. Like, it's all up to you. There's really nothing that can go wrong. If they block it, it's not really on you. But it's all on whether it goes in between the uprights or whether it does not. And so, to me, that is the most stressful position in sports because, like you said earlier, like the kicker, a lot of times it's not even thought of part of the team. Um, they're just kind of their own guy. But then all of a sudden they're called in. Like, everybody's worked hard the whole game, and it all comes down to you. You're down by one. If you make the field goal, we win. If you miss the field goal, we lose. Super Bowl's on you. The fan base is on you. Whatever. If you miss that thing, you're. If you miss the Super Bowl kick, a 40-yard field goal to win the Super Bowl, if you miss it, you're not going to be on that team the next year. There's, there's, they're just not bringing you back. <laughs> I mean, the, the fan base is never going to forgive you. So that's, that, right. that's what I say would be the most stressful situation in all sports would be kicking a field goal last second of the Super Bowl, 40 yards because it's close enough to where you should make it every single time. Um, and I just I can't imagine anything more stressful. Anything worse? Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, you're making a really solid case for it. I'll tell you some things that ran through my mind. Uh, the first was in baseball in a situation where, the you know, you take the stakes the highest it could be. 
your team hasn't won the World Series in a good billion years, and you're about to close this out. The pitcher does his job. The batter hits a pop fly to right field. You're the right fielder, yeah, yeah. and you have like, what is it? Probably four or five seconds to think about if I miss this. Yeah, it's over for me. You know, and yeah. you have to, you have the whole thing. And you, those lights get a lot brighter in those few seconds. It's like yeah. they just took the dimmer and went. Ugh. And you have to make that decision as a baseball player. Like, do I use two hands? Even though I never use two hands, is that gonna? <laughs> am I gonna knock it out? I mean, how's this gonna go? The things that become so routine are less routine when the pressure kicks. I think there's just more potential for failure. Another one I was thinking about um, was actually an individual sport. <laughs> I was laughing about it earlier. But let's say you're in the PGA and you're in the Masters and you're getting towards the end and you're trying to hold on to a lead and you've got history with this particular hole at the Masters. And it's just been something you haven't been able to beat. And now, so everything is actually exactly the same except for the time. The place is the same. You're using the same golf ball. You're kind of the same athlete even though you've had a year in between there are just fewer and fewer variables that you could blame things on in that particular instance so I think I would be thinking as I'm approaching that golf shot like this hole has my number and there's a really really good chance that I'm not gonna the thing that I think makes that so pressure filled is in the game of golf it's a very I mean fractions of a difference in hips ankles backswing I mean you're having to be so focused on muscle memory and as the pressure gets higher we know that sort of stuff, athletically, usually has a lot of variation. The reason why I'm going to go with Hunter with pressure field is because you aren't just fighting the enemy, you're fighting your own team. Mm -hmm. So you have to depend on the long snapper and the holder, and you're thinking in your mind, those guys that are for me have to do a good job for me to do a good job. And you also understand if a guy misses a kick to win the game, they aren't lining the three guys up and saying, "What was with that snap, man?" You know, like, I, I tell you what, that, that's a that's a very um, that's a very underrated position to be in as far as pressure or the, or the holder, long snapper, and yeah. the holder. Because yeah. I mean, long snapper, you have to snap it to the right spot. Holder's got to catch it. Holder's got to put it down the right spot. Laces He's got to get out. it down yeah. on time. Laces out, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly, and nobody's like. Uh, writing articles the next day about unless it's just something really agree just like oh, that yeah. was ridiculous but for a kicker it's like if something causes them to hesitate like that's not yeah, the same nobody's blaming the holder nobody's yeah. exactly the like the, the buck stops with the kicker because yeah. like literally the whole time that snapper's getting ready to stop is like i gotta do this and i'm done <laughs> <laughs> who cares what happens afterwards well, exactly. even if the holder drops it like nobody knows who the holder is so it's like Right. Yeah. They're, they're not going to. He still has redemption too because he can pick it people up and run it if he has to. People don't even know there's a holder out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the holder's thinking, I got options. I if got this it. goes really poorly, I could pick this up and run for it. There is one time I remember that I noticed who the Saints holder was. It was because he was wearing like his watch and his wedding ring when he was out there. <laughs> and there was like a picture of They're like, what is this dude doing? He's got a watch on on the football field. And he's got his wedding ring on. Like, where did we get this guy? <laughs> Somebody quick, find a holder. <laughs> I have I have a proposal, and I think this usurps all of ours. Tell me the hardest position in sports isn't the referee reviewing the call at the end of the Super Bowl, whatever, who, whoever just called it, and it, they look like they're out of bounds. This one guy is deciding for both sides exactly what's about to happen we right call it now. The Saints and he scenario. will get more death yeah. threats than anyone in existence. Yeah, yeah. and he... <laughs> Man, poor guy. I know. He wasn't even involved. He's exactly. just trying to say what happened. Yeah. Yep. Right? 
So I don't. I haven't really thought about that that much. The, the level of pressure, but it seems like a bad call, and I may be wrong about this. It seems like a bad call in that situation is survivable. Like he can he can enter back into the and, yeah. and, and make more calls. You're like, well, he's he's only a guy. Well, he made he, the call. He's not gonna lose. He's not gonna lose his job over a bad call. Yeah, and uh, and um, a, unfortunately, a kicker, yeah, unfortunately, yeah. a uh, a kicker, and it's not even it's not even a missed field goal is gonna get a that's gonna get a kicker fired. It's gonna be a big missed field goal. Yeah, but he could make all of them up until then. Up until all the that, field goals. Up until the one that wins the Super Bowl. And if you bring that guy back and he misses another one, then everybody's going to be going after the coach's yeah. head. Yeah, that's it. The coach, the coach. If if they miss like that, the coaches, they're they're going to let him go because exactly they're going to. Yeah. If he misses another one, he's going to get blamed for it. Um, but yeah, go back to the Saints thing. You know that guy missed that call. I don't know what his name is. That's probably the most egregious call in the history of NFL, and I don't know what the referee's That's name fair. is. But if yeah. I guarantee, you, if the kicker missed that field goal, I know exactly what that kicker's <laughs> name was. <laughs> I, I promise, so if you go if you go south of Lake Ponch and Train, everybody they probably knows know what is there. They probably know his address. He's probably getting mail right now. <laughs> he, he, he just never never went home. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he moved. Yeah, I'm gonna stay here and uh, just send my stuff. Call right? his wife, honey. Pack up. <laughs> All right, so let's let's try to end the conversation here. Can we say? Is there anything that, that trumps the NFL kicker last moment winning the game or losing the game? Oh, I never said you guys I, I, won. I just they're out all of, crappy. Out of all of the out of all of these that we've mentioned, the the way that the way you put it, Chase, I think that one's probably the most pressure filled one. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, I'm not just, just, just with just with the stakes outside of the game itself. Right. Yeah. But to be fair, there's also fan bases of NFL teams that are bigger than some countries. So it's yeah. also kinda eh. Yeah, but I don't. But I don't think they're chasing him into alleys and shooting him in the head. <laughs> I think the uh, the guy making. I think I think the, I think the guy. <laughs> wow! I just say it because it happened. Yeah. <laughs> oh I think the gosh. guy kicking the, that last kick is going to be the uh, the one with the most pressure on him. Mm. Not the not the goalie because because the guy's supposed to make it. But yeah, that guy was the defender. Who just let, I think he just let the ball roll, like, yeah. roll, go past him, roll through his legs or something like that. I can't remember exactly what it was. Yeah, I guess there is kind of a quotient here. Killed of, him, ended his life. life. Yeah, <laughs> I, th- I think uh, part of the quotient here is was it an understandable thing? Like, man, that's just this is shooting him. No, no, <laughs> I'm rolling back in the conversation. <laughs> okay. Catch up, catch back, whatever. Sorry, it is. going back to say um, it's just difficult to hit a baseball, especially as a professional. Like, man, that's hard to do. You struck out. Like the science behind. Hitting a major league pitch, it's, it's a, like you you have to think about hitting it essentially before he throws it yes, with how yeah. slim the margin three hundred for a career, you'll make it to the Hall of Fame. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like hummingbirds and professional baseball players that hit well. Same thing. How does that even happen? Yep. Like how do they? What do they do there? So figure that out. <laughs> what I'm trying to roll back and say though is that you, if you're saying it's understandable that you would fail there, then people are like, well, all right. But if you let it roll through your legs, you're just not paying attention. It's like okay, that we will punish you for. You yeah. Know? But I. Something that really stresses me out to watch and I can't imagine wouldn't be stressful is anything at an Olympic level where you know that people have put in the amount of time they have, like this lifetime sort of training thing that we talk about. And it all comes down to, after a combination of a billion things, it comes down to this last movement, like the last long jump or the last 400 meters. Or especially if you're looking at people that are, that are diving and they're in a handstand position 6,000 feet in the air that last moment before they push off of the platform, I'm like, I just can't imagine what sort of training would allow you to, to pace through those things well. Yeah, I mean, that's just something that, like, some people can can deal with and some people can't. That 
Uh, I read a quote from Sean White, and he they, people ask him about that because, you know, he's won all these gold medals, and he's been in all these pressure-filled situations, and he's done well. And he said, you know, I tell myself right before a big thing, at the end of the day, what's the big deal? It doesn't really matter. Like, I'm going to go home, and my family's there, and I'm going to spend time with them, and that's what really matters. And just keeping it all in perspective, like, yeah, this is for the Olympic gold medal, and I've worked my whole life for this, but at the end of the day, like, it's not really going to – impact my life near as much as the time that I'm going to spend with my family at home. And so I think the people who can keep it in perspective are the ones that are able to, to be able to go through and, and, and attack it and, and hit it hard. That yeah. sounds like an American privilege, privilege though. Like, can you imagine being like the Chinese person who's been groomed since yeah, birth? Yeah. And yeah. At the end of the day, I'm going to go home to my family. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. I think one of the things that makes that different too, is like talking to this guy, that's a little bit of season coming in. So if, if Vinatieri were here having this conversation with us, be like, well, yeah, you look at Phelps, like, is he sitting there ready to, to do? He's like, well, I've only, I've only got 17 of these already. You know, if I don't get another one. So it I definitely think, diminishes. Yeah, I think we need to clarify the, the moment we've talked about. If it's the first time this dude is there to, make, to try to make this kick and it's the first time he's been in this situation at this level, that's probably – I will say – I'm going to say hands down over World Cup, I'm going to say that's probably the most pressure-filled situation in sports. Okay, you can say that. Yeah, I agree. That's all right. <laughs> We're still friends. Agree to disagree. I, I subjectively agree. And that's how you healthily debate. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so speaking of healthy debate, it's time to have a recommend. We're gonna. Do we have you ever debated? <laughs> no, I don't like that book, Hunter. Excuse you. <laughs> well, we've debated what we should recommend. We've kind of run the gamut. Like we're gonna recommend products. We're gonna recommend shows. I mean, it's it's. Then eventually, wide open. we just said fair game. Yeah, everything's fair game. I'm a so. fan of Skull. It really just gets me going. <laughs> Skull. <laughs> what's what's with your diarrhea theme in this por- this portion right here? I'm sure there's a story there somewhere. It just feels good to never mind. <laughs> All right, let's stop that there and move on. So uh, what are we going to recommend? Should we each offer a recommend? Just something personally. Just get it out there. I mean, just I'm tired of Hunter just running this part of our of our podcast. Mm. Okay, here, I'll recommend something. Yes, thank you. Uh, most, you know, a lot of listeners are from around here, but if you're not, uh, hopefully you have a Kroger. If you don't, find some other nice restaurant, or not restaurant, grocery, grocery store that's store. not a yeah. Walmart, because... Yeah. Don't go to Walmart. That's okay. No, sorry, I can't do that. <laughs> Scratch that. Go so to Walmart if, if you, you want, want to. to you yeah. do you. Yeah. Anyway, go to your local grocery store. Go to the seasoning and spices aisle and go buy a spice you've never tried before and try that bad boy on some chicken. Just try it. Just Live a little. Live a little. Yeah. Like over it. the past over the past year and a half, I've tried so many different spices uh, that I've never had before. And I have just completely revamped what I like to eat on uh, on meats and stuff like that. So you're saying chicken is the perfect canvas? Yeah, well, it's already really bland, honestly, by itself. You ever right. had just boiled or baked chicken with nothing on it? Unfortunately, yes. And I have disgusting. been in that situation. It was the most pressure-filled exactly. situation. <laughs> yes. It is, it is a painter's paradise when it comes to uh, the uh, the meat game. Cause it All right, was, well, give us one. Give us one. Like, And don't say paprika. Oh, gosh. Uh <laughs> Don't say paprika. Uh, you guys should be using rosemary more. Mm. That's, that's my favorite in the entire mm. world right nice. now. Um, also, cumin goes on a lot more things than you think it does. I would agree with that. It's, cumin's it's great, It's weird man. to say, 
and you don't want to have it in excess, but I'll go with you in that. So, yep. so your recommend is random spices on chicken. <laughs> yeah, why not? That a way to this, show up with a vengeance. This is stuff you can really apply to your life really quickly. <laughs> yeah. This is life changing right here. Exactly. <laughs> your kids will thank you later. Yeah. I or was, won't. oddly enough, I was going to recommend something from the local grocer as well. Mm. Uh, gro- grocer? Grocer. Grocery store? Grocery store as well. Uh, Kodiak cakes. I just stumbled onto the. How old are these things? They've been around forever. They've been around for a little bit. I'm like, I'll say I don't know what that is. These things taste great. So you guys have an opportunity to kind of burst my bubble here. They're really not that good for you or it's just a gimmick. I've seen them. I haven't looked into them that much, so be honest with you. They're supposed to have, you know, a pretty incredible amount of protein as a percentage and they're they're better for you than if you just get the, you know, the other brands. I won't talk about other brands, but yeah, they have like to-go versions that have been, I'm not a huge oatmeal guy. After a certain stage, and unless it's an oatmeal cream pie, of course. Oh, definitely. That's that's just at any time. Uh, but if you're eating oatmeal and meal planning, oatmeal is like a good way. If you're especially doing fitness pals, like man, this is a good thing to eat. But after a while, you're like, if I have to eat one more cup of oatmeal, I'm gonna scream. These Kodiak cakes are pretty awesome because they're they just have a different consistency. These to go ones, you just throw some water in there, pop them in the microwave. You've got like 12 or 13 grams of protein. You're on your way. So, oh, that's cool. Yeah. I, I've never had them before. That sounds intriguing, well, though. Yeah. Well, I guess I'll, I'll stay with uh, with this food conversation whenever. Sweet, when I'm, nice. Uh, yeah. When <laughs> I'm see what um, you did there. <laughs> when I'm uh, eating lunch at the gym, I eat more or less the same exact thing every day. I have some um, some uh, rice, uh, some broccoli, and some grilled chicken. Classic. And, yeah, I mean, and now you're adding rosemary to yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Now rosemary I'll and garlic. Some, I'll say I'll say this though. Like, if you want something, because I just I put it all in one bowl just kind of mix it around and just uh, and eat it like that but uh what i will do to add some uh, flavor to it is i buy french's honey mustard not sauce not honey mustard sauce just french's honey mustard i think it's like um you get a lot of flavor for almost nothing it's like 10 calories a tablespoon the only ingredients are literally it's like water vinegar honey mustard done and it tastes that sounds pretty healthy. Yeah. And it tastes really good. You have to say yeah. the ingredients that way because you know the list is short. Water, vinegar, honey, mustard, done. I read yeah, the back done. of that. It did not say done, Chris. I don't really understand. <laughs> it's it's that, should, that should be their campaign. From what I, animal is this done from? <laughs> you could totally market it that way. I hope they're listening. Yeah, Here's how to sell should. this product. I, I want to be sponsored. So French's so listening. I do can I ask for a little <laughs> bit of listening. clarification? Like you just you just pour it in there after you've heated yeah, it up and then like uh, my process usually goes, I'll heat up the um, uh, the chicken and the broccoli first. I'll put some honey mustard on that, put rice on top of it, a little bit of honey mustard on top of that, and then mix it all up. Gotcha. Okay, man, I might have to give that a try. I'm not a huge honey mustard guy, but I, say I, lo- I love honey mustard. Yeah, yeah. Rosemary honey wanna... mustard. Something going mm-hmm. on here with the Kodiak cake. You better have something food to say. I'll I'll keep it on the product uh, product. Uh, gravy train we got going on gravy right here. Train. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect time. <laughs> this guy I used to play baseball with said we're on the gravy train with biscuit wheels. <laughs> All right. Whatever Keep the train or gravy train. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I uh, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Nootropics, um, but I t- I've been taking dabble in Nootropics for the last couple of years. It's basically like cognitive uh, supplements, supplements for your brain. And I uh, the best one that I found on the market is called Qualia, Q-U-A-L-I-A, and uh, it's expensive, but it, man, it it really, it can really 
have a big impact on your life. Like you don't feel like a buzz or anything, but you just feel more focused. Like it helps with procrastination. Um, it helps you, um, focus longer, remember things better, all that type of stuff. And I've been taking that for a while, but anyways, I had somebody at the gym come up to me and they said, the doctor, uh, told me I was kind of ADD. They want me to get on ADD medication, but I'm really, I don't want to take Adderall. I'm scared of that. Uh, I don't, I don't like the side effects. I don't want, want that. Do you have anything to recommend? I was like, well, I'll take this, this new tropic, um, why don't you try it out? And uh, she started taking it, and she's already told me, like, it's made huge impact on her. She's able to focus a lot more. And so, you know, I'm I'm not a big fan of, of ADD medication. So if you are somebody that's taking that or you have kids that are taking it, I would tell you to recommend and look into nootropics because I've already, I've already um, recommended this to a few people, and it's met, had a huge impact on them. And so... Um, just What's it called again? I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> hey, I was just, oh, I was just about a, to say, right we there. go through this recommend, and I'm like, hey, pancakes. <laughs> Chase is like, rosemary. Chris says, honey mustard. Hunter goes, cognitive therapy. <laughs> cognitive enhancement. Yeah. yeah. So anyways. Like, I'm super intrigued, though, because I feel like the way you're selling it is, it's expensive, but what would it, what does it cost you to not take it? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I mean, that nootropics are becoming more and more popular, and they're seeing... You know, it can really impact just about every aspect of your life. And I've noticed a huge benefit for me as far as taking it. And not only does it help you with your mental performance, but it can help your physical performance too in the gym and all that type of stuff. So is it, this, is Nootropics, is that the brand name or is no, that some Nootro- type of product? No, Nootropics is like the, the cognitive enhancement type supplement okay, okay. Um, that you're looking into. And there's tons of them out there, but the best I found is Qualia. Uh, or Qualia, however you say it. Um, so yeah, check Qualia, Qualia Mind is what I take. But there's lots of different ones you can take. Um, just if you're interested in that type of thing, I would just encourage you to start doing some research on nootropics. N O O N O O T R O P I C S. Um, and then last, throwing one more time, two time recommend. Game of Thrones last season's about to start. I went back and rewatched it again. It was even better <laughs> the second time. He's pointing at me. As I'm he pointing says at all three of you because none of y'all have watched it. Um, you guys are missing out. If you haven't watched it, it's just amazing. So go watch Game of Thrones if you can. All right, Chase, it's your job to take us out of this episode. I believe in you. Uh, One thing I've always really wanted to say is... (laughs) 